You're listening to Modern Marketing, a podcast brought to you by Influicity. At Influicity, we build brand communities that drive revenue. Learn more at Influicity.com. On today's episode, Influicity CEO John Davids talks with Luis Velasco, Senior Vice President of Marketing at Jolly Bee. Luis, thank you so much and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. Thank you for the surprise invite. <laughs> uh, I started by uh, following you. And uh, yeah, but it's an honor for me to be here in your podcast. Well, it's a pleasure for me to have you here. Why don't you go ahead and share your first insight? Sure. So I'm with Jollibee. And uh, for those of you who probably don't know Jollibee, we're a restaurant company. So I kind of want to start with a little bit of background, John, if you don't mind. I'm not sure if everyone knows what Jollibee is and what we're about. So we're a brand originally from the Philippines. We've been in existence, coincidentally, celebrating our 45th year of existence this year. And since then, we've grown. We've built 16 brands in the portfolio, close to 7,000 restaurants all over the world, 34 countries, if I still remember it right. So we're a food company and we're a restaurant business. So a lot of the insights that I'd like to share today is really about that and centered around it. Probably the first insight I'd like to share to everyone listening is really about, we call it mastery of the fundamentals, right? So we're a restaurant business and there's so many things that go around a restaurant business right now. It feels complicated sometimes and it kind of is when you, when you think about it. But I always say when you strip out everything that makes it complicated and complex, there's really just a couple of things that you need to do right and we've kind of tried to do a mastery of it and in fact over deliver on it and for us it's really just a couple of things superior tasting food great value fast friendly warm service convenience and accessibility and probably the fifth one would be restaurant ambiance and experience clean restrooms clean dining areas energy when you come into our restaurant these are kind of the five things we hold very important to us because we're a restaurant business. And again, like I said, there's a lot of things around that, right? So from an operator or a marketing standpoint, there's all these new tools, so to speak, social media, AI, communications, PR, advertising, et cetera. Those are all things that in our view, enable us to be able to serve the customer better. But these five things really are what's key for us. And, and you know, if, if we do a great job at them, then, you know, we think that we're able to take care of our customers properly, give them a joyful, delightful experience. And then all the other tools are really for us to enable that experience and be able to address any challenges mm. or issues that, that come up. Yeah, it's interesting. You said five things there. So a couple, if I were to just broaden out, you said great food, which is just like saying a great product. You have to deliver on your product promise. The atmosphere and the ambiance of the restaurant, which is like the same thing as the user experience or the UX that you might think about. And I think if I take away what you're saying, it's all these other tools such as AI or social media or search or whatever tools you're looking at, those really just enable the fundamentals of why people buy your product, why they share your product. So it's not so much about saying, how do we build AI into our business? Is Can AI or can any of these tools drive forward those fundamentals? And is that kind of the, the, the framework that you work with? You said it perfectly, John. We're fans of technology and everything, every tool and every system that 
enables us to improve customer experience, but we're also firm believers in technology and systems that we can get into, not just for the sake of getting into it because it's cool or future looking, or we think of them as how can this technology or system or platform enable us in the things that we do. So I was in the National Restaurant Association Conference, I think two years ago. And if you've been there, there's like more than a thousand probably technology experts and partners and and vendors presenting all of these really nice, cool systems and platforms. And, you know, I was like, there's probably a thousand of them and probably three of them that you actually need, right? So, you know, there's a thousand cool stuff. And if you strip it off, you know, what you actually need, there's probably three or four of them because it it depends on the system that you run. It depends on the the dependencies of your other systems and platforms and technology, right? Or, you know, at, at what stage you're in from your, in your digital transformation. So we look at technology and systems and platforms that way, but ultimately the center, I guess, or the, I would say the hub of everything we do is, is those five things, mm-hmm. food, value, service, customer experience, like you said it, and convenience and accessibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you keep it very simple. And so just going back to the size of this operation, I know that there are, I'm just looking online here, there's 1,500 Jollibee stores across the globe. But I know you guys have more than Jollibee. So how many locations did you say? Close to 7,000. 7,000 across a across number of different brands. Yes, yes. And you've been in this business, if you don't mind my saying, for almost a quarter century. Uh, you've been a Jollibee. So, You're half I, my I, life. God. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, you don't look that that old. So I, I don't want to ask how old you are, but it looks like you've, you've been in it pretty much since the beginning of your career. That's true. Yeah, my story goes way back when I started in sales right out of college. And then I'm not shy in sharing this because I share this all the time. I guess one of the things that I learned early on was really go where your passion lies, right? So six months into the job, I'm like, okay, I think I want to be in marketing because I want to be creating stuff that I'm selling, right? So in a sales function, as if people are aware of it, like you're kind of pretty much given what to sell, right? And there's not much kind of creativity there, which I wanted to to have for my career. And Jollibee or Jollibee Foods Corporation, which the name of the, the company, provided that to me right after my first job. So so yeah, I've been doing this gig for the last 24 years and it's been very fulfilling. And the, the reason I've ended up where I am is really because I I went where my passion was. I literally started from the bottom, <laughs> right? You know, even if this was my second job already, I said, you know, what the heck? I was young then. I was like, okay, if it doesn't work out, I'm still young. You can still pivot to another career if it doesn't work out. <laughs> were, were you behind the counter or waiting tables? What was the first job? You mean at Jollibee? Yeah, Jollibee. Oh, I started in marketing. and the, oh, the, that's okay. the whole, Yeah, that's the whole reason I, I moved. They said, okay, we have a marketing position, but this is like, this is like first level marketing position level. I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> if I don't start there, then, you know, where else will I start, right? So, I didn't really expect to be hired a manager position right away. So I kind of grew up in that and then kind of fortunately my career has progressed from then. So this podcast is brought to you by Influicity. Since 2015, we've been building brand communities that drive revenue. 
First, we did it through influencers. Then we added podcasts. Today, we work with world-class brands to build, optimize, and run breakthrough programs that create and capture demand. It's time to stop renting your influence and start owning it. Learn more at Influicity.com. So you're, you're SVP and marketing head for the US market of Jollibee Foods Corporation, which is a number of brands that you manage just in the US. And these range from a fast food brand to a Michelin star rated brand that you mentioned. I don't know if it's in market or coming to market. How do you think about marketing? And is there a difference in marketing a fast food restaurant to a Michelin star restaurant? Obviously, the creative is different, but is the marketing strategy very different as well? Yeah, they vary. Yes, you're correct about that. They vary. And again, the other thing that I'm a big fan of, John, is really consumer inciting. So they vary because they all serve a different need. They all have different need states that they address. They have certain spaces in the in their own categories, you know, that they fulfill. So, you know, they're all restaurant businesses at the end of the day. And that's why, you know, I keep coming back to the, those five fundamentals. They're all the same wherever you go if you're a restaurant business. But they all they can be different in this in the way that you execute them and, and strategize around them. Right. So speaking to someone who say is into specialty beverages is going to be different from someone who we're talking to about fried chicken or say Chinese fast food for that matter, right? That's one. Behavior is one. The audience is is another, right? So pretty much all of our brands started and their reasons for being here in the US were really because there's a pretty sizable Filipino population in certain states and cities here in the US and also in a couple of provinces in, in Canada where you are. So that's why we have a couple of Jollibees where you are right now in Toronto because we pretty much started that way. And then through the years, you know, we've discovered that, you know, hey, great taste, great value at the end of the day is pretty universal, right? So there's obviously some tweaking here and there in terms of the palate, what consumers like or not, not like, food concepts for that mm-hmm. matter. But by and large, it's pretty universal. Fried chicken is universal. You're right. Uh, Let me ask you about that. So I, I actually live probably about five minutes away from a Jollibee, and it's not far from a, a Filipino community that, that lives in that area. And there are lineups outside the door. I mean, you can always see that the, the Jollibee is quite busy. What I'm curious about, though, is are you marketing specifically to the Filipino community, or do you have people outside of that community also dining at Jollibee and your other restaurants? We started marketing to the Filipino community when we began. Again, I don't know if I mentioned this. As a company, we're celebrating our 45th year in existence. As Jollibee in North America, in the U.S. particularly, we're celebrating this year our 25th year. So in 1998, the first Jollibee in Daly City, California, in Northern California, that's where we started. And for, for the first several years, again, that was really who we were about. Like, hey, we're here to serve the Filipino community, right? And then as we found all along, we started getting, we started appealing to different types of ethnicities. They liked our food. They liked the way we served them. They liked the ambiance in the stores. And so now today, we pretty much talk to anyone who's a fast food, who's a chicken food lover, whether you're Filipino or not. So I guess that's why you're seeing 
that kind of audience in in the Jollibee today. It's still predominantly Filipinos in a Filipino center or community, as you probably you know you said you 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 live like five six or ten minutes away from yeah. it. We're now in locations where there's not much of a Filipino population anymore because we've kind of extended that appeal even amongst the broader North American segment. Yeah, and it makes sense because if you think about it, if you go to an Italian restaurant or a Mexican restaurant or a Chinese restaurant, it appeals to everybody exactly. in that location. It's not just the people who grew exactly. up there. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think in the beginning we were like, we weren't sure, to be honest. Like, are we going to appeal to a non-Filipino in the U.S., right? And I guess for a while we were okay with with uh, just communicating to the Filipino market. And it was sizable enough, big enough but after, say, the top 10 states in the U.S. where the Filipinos, the Filipino population is pretty sizable, we were like, where do we go from here, right? I mean, is, yeah. I mean, is this it? Or, you know, I mean, and we have pretty big aspirations for the U.S. and North America in, in general. So they seem to like us there and then we might as well expand and, and grow our, our network and our footprint even amongst, you know, the broader segment. One more question I've got. So you've been in this business for 24 years, working on, on many different brands and now running a, a large market. How has the industry changed since COVID? So you had pre-COVID, obviously COVID itself, I'm sure was a lot of drama and now, yes. and now post-COVID. Have you seen lasting changes or would you say everything's sort of back to pre-COVID at this point? I would say it's pre-COVID plus, right? So everything important in pre-COVID, everything that used to matter pre-COVID, still matters. I wouldn't say that nothing in pre-COVID all of a sudden is, does not matter today. I think they all still do. And the plus there is because things have changed a lot in terms of expectations, in terms of challenges. The challenges since COVID have, have probably lessened a bit, but they're still there. Supply chain is there. Costs are there, as, as you all know. But more than that, it's really consumer behavior has changed a bit. People have discovered the convenience of delivery, takeout and pickup, drive-through, which we're lucky half of our network has drive-through. But at the same time, that's a heightened expectation as well. Order accuracy is now more important than ever than before, right? So how many of your listeners have probably gotten experience where they pick up their food, they go home and they open their bag and they're like, oh, where's you know, my, my set of utensils or where's the sauce I was looking for or where's my dessert, right? So, and it's not like you want to go back to the restaurant and pick it up again, right? <laughs> so, so that's, that's been um, a change in terms of behavior. And because of that, quality has, is now more important than ever. And when I say quality, before probably 90% of the time, it's quality where quality where people are dining in. Now you, you need to make sure that quality is there wherever the transaction or the touch point is. So packaging becomes very important. The way you cook the food is important. The way it retains heat and quality, depending on the food that you serve. For example, our chicken is really built around crispiness and juiciness. And that's that's a challenge when, when you know suddenly you start selling it off-premise and then delivery and takeout. So, so we've had to adjust to a lot of those expectations, heightened expectations, I would say. It's not like they were never there before, but right now it's really more heightened because of the post-pandemic behavior. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
the things that you could do on premise that were simple all of a sudden become more complicated now that you're you have to make the food deliver it there's a 40 minute wait time exactly. in the middle there and you don't have control over the vehicle of delivery necessarily you're sort of trusting that that it's going to be in the same shape it is now when it gets there so the the good thing quote unquote with the pandemic was we were also forced to expedite our digital transformation as probably some other brands have done I remember, I think two months right after the pandemic hit, all of a sudden we had delivery. You know, like it was part of the plan. It we didn't plan it like that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so even that is a change. Like everyone expects now for you to have an online ordering platform. Everyone expects you to have an app. Everyone expects you to have rewards and loyalty program in your brand. So maybe it wasn't as obvious before or in the past but but now pretty much that used to be maybe like a competitive advantage pre-pandemic now pretty much everyone has to has to have it if you want to be considered as, as a brand for a qsr consumer yeah so true well luis thank you so much for sharing your insights i encourage everyone to go check out jollybee and i have a feeling it's going to be uh getting a lot bigger because as you said you're still relatively small in the u.s market compared to, to, to the rest of the globe Correct. If things go well, we hope to celebrate our 100th store by the end of the year. Wow. And what, what are you at now? What number? Uh, we're at 90. 90. Okay. It's 10 more to go. 10 more to go. 10 more to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you can do it. I'm sure you can do it. That's great. Well, thank you so much again. Thanks for listening to Modern Marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity, empowering marketers to build customer communities that drive revenue. We create massive demand via social, influencer, content, paid media, and of course, podcast. Learn more at influicity.com.